Hello and welcome back to the God Story Podcast. I'm Brent Siddle and I'm joined once again by my co-host, the Reverend Ian Reed Rideau of King's Grace Presbyterian Church. And our very special guest today is John Norsworthy. Uh, John, welcome back to the show. Thank you for coming. And uh, we're talking again. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure, John, as always. We're talking today about your book from Castle Publishing called Why Science Matters. What does the Bible say about things scientific? So if you've ever thought, I don't like science, it's difficult to understand, or I'm uncomfortable with science, or I love science, but I'm not sure whether as a Christian I should be a scientist, then this podcast hopefully will be for you. John has taught in secondary and primary schools and in the tertiary sector, Bible colleges and teacher education for over 45 years, and is a board member for Thinking Matters New Zealand. He served on curriculum committees and professional development in both the state and Christian sectors, and served as secretary to the New Zealand Association for Christian Schools for 20 years. He's currently an adjunct lecturer at Faith Bible College New Zealand, and is the author of a number of books, including Why Culture Matters and Educating Our Children Faithfully. So, John, welcome. Thank you. Now, why are uh, some Christians so jittery about science and scientific inquiry? Fascinating, isn't it? Uh, I wrote this book for those sort of people. They basically have imbibed the lie that science is opposed to Christianity, and, and even to the the extent of that science has now put the nail in the coffin of Christianity. And uh, if they do not have that attitude, they still struggle with the connection between their Christian faith and, and what this thing we call science. Is science neutral? That is an interesting question. I think you can be a scientist and, and be neutral religiously. But in fact, as this book, uh, the main theme of this book is all about, science is actually a Christian, a biblical Christian thing. Modern science is a biblical Christian thing. <laughs> so no, so as, as we, we will go in our discussion, modern science actually rose out of biblical Christianity. Yes. Yeah, so how was science shaped by Christianity, John? Well, as you probably are aware, the early scientists, the word scientist wasn't used until the mid-1800s. Before that, they were called uh, natural philosophers. Hmm. And uh, because the characteristic of the early scientists was not just what they did, but the way they thought about the natural world. And uh, uh, that's what uh, this book is all about. How was the biblical worldview the basis for modern science? Basically, the biblical worldview is uh, what the Bible says about God and his relationship to the natural world. And uh, so the biblical view of the natural world is, is all about the fact that it was God's idea. God created it. God not only created it, but he sustains it. And he, rule, he, he rules the natural world uh, by his word, we might call it. Um, that's the, the expression that is often used in the Bible, of course. And, uh, and so if you think about this, if you believe that the world is ruled by God's word, by God through his word, then there must be 
a word behind nature to discover. And uh, that is, that's what modern science is all about. What are the, some of the beliefs and values that undergird modern science? There is the whole idea that the value of knowledge, all right, because science is knowledge, and modern science in particular um, uh, is, comes out of that, that value of knowledge. There's the belief that nature can be understood. It is intelligible. The belief that nature runs on orderly principles. The belief that these principles are uniform through all of nature. The integrity of the universe. The value of discovering simple and elegant principles governing the order of the universe. And of course, there is the value of honesty. Researching needing to be honest in their reporting and unbiased as they can to draw out the conclusions about the nature of nature. <laughs> yeah. What does the Bible say about nature? And what does the Bible say about knowledge and what we can know? Yes, well, there's a couple of chapters in my book on that, of course. <laughs> there are <laughs> and, pretty good uh, ones too. <laughs> the whole thing when you uh, look at the Bible about knowledge is that knowledge is founded in God. You know, Jesus said, I am the truth, uh, and, uh, and, he, and this is the, the reality. God is the truth behind everything. And so knowledge is founded in knowing God, and uh, that's the ultimate knowledge, to know him, to love him and to serve him. And uh, uh, this is eternal life, to know he who sent me, Jesus prayed in, in the Garden of Gethsemane. So the foundation of knowledge, according in biblical terms, is knowing God. Uh, and of course, that's what the Bible is, is, a, uh, is God's story of revealing himself, who he is, and his relationship to the universe, to the world, and in particular, to us. <clears throat> Well, I suppose the question then is, what's the Bible's relation to modern science? Does it have a relationship with modern science? Well, as we've already said, yes, I believe that the Bible is, and here's an interesting expression, is the mother of modern science. Hmm. Or if you like, uh, modern science is a child of, of, of God in that sense. So as I've said, um, if you understand this whole idea of God is the creator and sustainer of everything. The, the universe is not here by random processes. The universe is not here, just happened to be here, that the ultimate behind it is not just randomness, but there is actually uh, a cogent idea and, and, and mind and intelligence behind the whole thing. That is... Uh, the, the major connection of the Bible with science. Yeah. Rita, I'm going to bring you in here to comment. You deal with a lot of students and Christian students. Do you have, uh, do they have issues on this whole area? Should we be, should I go into science? Can I, as a Christian, be a good scientist? And is there, a, what sort of conflicts do they have? It depends on the student, really. And it often depends on their background, where, what type of often the kind of theological kind of denomination they've come from uh, kind of can affect that. Some, some often come to university to study science and they're really thrown by uh, a lot of what they encounter in a university setting. Others are able to take it in their stride and able to question 
you know, kind of often what, what, what gets pushed uh, on them uh, and are able to kind of push back a little bit and say, yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe not, uh, well, and, and just get on, while others kind of are, uh, happily just kind of get on with kind of loving science and loving the Bible and, and see that they're not opposed to each other, but they, you can kind of have a strong faith and study science as well. Yeah. Yes, John, what sort of struggles do Christian scientists have sometimes to reconcile their faith with their scientific principles? Most Christian scientists don't have that problem. They have a problem with their fellow scientists who, who uh, uh, believe in the lie of the, the bottom line is randomness in, in the whole of, of uh, creation. And uh, they, they really don't have that problem because once they really get into science, science is God speaking to them. They see God speaking in, in, in out of uh, nature to them and to them, their science is actually a very Christian thing. It's their calling in God to, to discover God's world. Yeah, so can we come on and talk about some parts of Scripture that deal with, with nature and uh, knowledge? And I suppose we'd better begin at the beginning, John, with the creation account in, in Genesis, because I'm, I know yeah. that's caused people, scientists, a lot of problems over the years, particularly yeah. those who embrace some form of evolution. Um, yeah. Well, however, they reconcile that with the, with their faith. But I'm, I'm just wondering, how did the creation account differ from other views of the world in other and in other ancient cultures at the time? Right, and and not only ancient cultures, but a lot of cultures are still around the world today. Mm. All right, the cultures of the world then had uh, an understanding of the of their cosmology was basically the flat earth, some sort of flat earth uh, idea, that there was a flat earth and above that there were the heavens and uh, uh, the idea that, the, that the, the stars and the sun were held up by some sort of tent-like canopy which held the, the waters above uh, from the waters below that we live in and, uh, and, and they had that sort of cosmology. They had the understanding that the world had always existed. They just didn't question that. The world was going nowhere. It had no purpose. And, and uh, this, this sense of, of gods or deities was that they came out of and were part of the universe. They were part of the heavens and earth. These gods would control part of the universe. Uh, for example, the sun or the forest, the sea, or a certain city of people. Uh, and because the world was not prog progressing anywhere, um, they were not particularly worried about timelines. They weren't worried about chronology. Their sense of time was not like our modern uh, sense of time where we need to have everything in, uh, put in, in a chronological time. For them, the word time just meant uh, opportunity. It meant uh, the, the characteristics of the of the people of the time. When you talk about understanding the times, it wasn't thinking about measured time. It was thinking about uh, uh, just the, the characteristics of the era or the times in which they lived. And uh, they also used to use the word day in, in all those sort of ideas as well. And then along comes Genesis. Along comes this radical different idea about the world. And uh, I think uh, Genesis is 
uh, found Genesis one is foundational to 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 science. Mm-hmm. In what way? Well, when we look at it right from the beginning, it said, "In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth." This whole idea that the universe, the world, had a beginning. What a radical idea that uh, it had a beginning in the mind of someone or something out and over and beyond all that uh, exists in the universe. And then there is this idea of God who created the heavens and earth, okay? Um, and that's a fascinating thing to look at because uh, the word for God used is, is, a, uh, is plural yet singular. And so the, the, there's already a beginning of an understanding of the nature of God in the, in the word Elohim, which is used. And so then it goes on, talks about how the earth was without form and void. In the process of becoming, it was, it was shapeless and it was empty. And then we see that in this patterned uh, dialogue, the, the unfolding of the, the shaping and the filling of, of the earth. And uh, one of the repeated things that comes up again and again, in fact, eight times in Genesis 1, is this expression, God said, introducing this whole idea of God's word, God speaking, God said, God dictated, if you like, God pronounced, all right, God said, let this happen, let that happen, all right. And when you think about it, that is the main message of Genesis chapter 1. God said, all right, for example, he said, let there be light, okay? So clearly before then there wasn't light, there wasn't energy. So we see here that God is is, uh, dictating there shall be energy. I like to imagine the idea of, of when God said, let there be light, he said, F equals MA, E equals MC squared. He was declaring the whole principles, the word behind that makes light and, uh, and energy in relationship to matter work. And uh, then it goes on, this patterned idea of, of uh, the, the six days. Um, and uh, so clearly what's being expressed here, it did, didn't happen by random processes. It was a, a structured, strategic plan that God had in putting it together. Uh, the first day, the second day, and so on, okay? It's fascinating that it says uh, with each of these days, the evening and morning. Mm. Why evening and morning? Wouldn't it be more logical to say morning and evening if it were just a a day that we experience? When you think about it, no. Evening is, is what we might call obscurification. Morning is revelation or dawning. And so here is a wonderful expression of the progress from chaos to cosmos, if you like to put it in Greek terms. Each phase was, was uh, this whole idea of, of taking nothing and making it into something and, and revealing it all. Okay. Uh, and then, it, of course, uh, another repeated expression is God saw that it was good. God values his creation. All right. And he values it for, for what it is. He made it, okay? And then he saw everything that was very good. 
And of course, then we get uh, the, the whole thing of God making us in his image. And so we have that, that is a, an important part of the whole creation story. The fact that God made us in his image so that we could think with him, think like him, which is an important part of modern science, as, as we'll probably express later on. And of course, uh, we, we have God commissioning man to manage the earth. Mm. And so, so right there in the beginning, we can see that Genesis 1 is all about God and his acts of creation. It's about the creator, not the details of his creation. It's about the physical process. I mean, not about the physical process, but about the processor, God himself. It's about how he did it, about his creative word, rather than about the physical ways in which it's shaped up. Uh, it's about why things are, his purpose, not about the details of what is. Um, can, I, can I just interrupt? Can I ask you about his sorry, love? Yeah, can I just interrupt? Sorry, John. Can I ask you to what extent is is Genesis one even meant to be a scientific explanation of the beginning of the of the universe? That's right. It's not. It's introducing no. God. Mm. It's introducing yep. Him in as as the creator and sustainer of the whole natural world. Yeah. Yeah, that's an important point, isn't it? What are some of the yeah. other parts of the Bible that talk about nature? I mean, you, you mentioned Job, for example, and the Psalms in your book. Psalm 19 is a good one to, to look at. Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. And so it goes on speaking about how uh, the created order is actually God speaking. They, uh, it goes on to talk about how they don't use words, the, the heavens, but, uh, but yet their voice goes out into all the earth. And so uh, here we see that um, uh, the whole idea of when we look at and examine uh, the, the, uh, the universe, when we look at the world, we are listening to God speaking and of course uh, psalm 19 then goes on to talk about in uh, in parallel to that the law of the lord or god's written word as we have it written god's spoken word god's word of words the statutes of the law are trustworthy the the, the precepts of the lord are right the commands of the lord are right and so on and so this is speaking about god's word of words uh, and then the latter part of Psalm 19 goes on to, to describe our response to all of that and our, our faltering response to it, in fact. Can I ask you both, so, just sorry, John, just in passing, both of you, coming back to Genesis 1 before we leave it, it has one of the, am I right in thinking that one of the major issues that uh, young Christians have or any Christians have with with uh, a career in science is sometimes the conflict they feel between having, well, not having to believe, but the account in Genesis 1 and what they're taught in their schools and universities about the theory of evolution. That's got to be a major issue for them, surely. Yeah, I think a major distraction is people ask the question, how long is a day in mm. Genesis 1? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the wrong question mm. to be asked. Yeah. It's the, the Genesis 1 is not about that. Uh, and if, if you set that aside, um, then uh, um, we 
we can and look at the real message of Genesis one, um, that there isn't a conflict with uh, with Genesis one in terms of time. There is a conflict with Genesis one in terms of the uh, the world being a bottomly. I um, mean. The bottom line being random processes. Mm. Um, that is the thing that uh, uh, conflicts with with the Bible. Yeah. Who were some of the, because I just wanted to come on and we're running out of time, unfortunately, but who were some of the f- most famous Christian scientists, John, you, you mention in the book? And did these, did these early scientists see any disconnection between their Christian faith and their science? Yes. As I said, they were called natural philosophers. Okay, so so the way they thought about the natural world is what characterized them. And and these guys, um, again and again, they were Bible believing Christians. Uh, It's amazing. Um, A a typical stereotype was the the Parson natural philosopher. And uh, like Joseph Priestley, the guy who discovered uh, um, oxygen and so on. They, they, were, they were men of God first. I can remember when I was studying at university and fit, the physics lecturer said once, Isaac Newton spent only 10% of his life on maths and science. What could he have achieved if he'd, if he'd spent the rest? And if I, know what, if I knew what I know now and as cheeky as I am now, I would have called out in the lecture, nothing. He would have lost his motivation because he was, disco- he was discovering God. He was a theologian at heart. And, he was, he was uh, and, fascinated by the uh, dimensions of the temple in Ezekiel and was convinced, am I right in thinking he was convinced there was a connection between the mathematics and the Bible and the dimensions of the universe. Yes. Yeah. Some of the stuff. Now Newton may not have had all his doctrine, right? He struggled with the doctrine of the Trinity and things like that. But his motivation was to discover the word of God in 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 nature. It's fascinating to think about that. Then we could speak about Johann Kepler, the father of, of modern science, okay? The father of modern astronomy. Uh, he was one who said, since we are astronomers, we astronomers are priests of the highest God in regard to the book of nature. It befits us to be thoughtful, not of the glory of our minds, but rather above else of the glory of God. And he was the one who talked about thinking God's thoughts after him. He, he appreciated how we were created in his image. And so we should be able to think the laws of God in nature. Um, Blaise Pascal, we've all heard of Pascal and air pressure and so on. Once again, he was a committed Christian and, and a Christian apologist. Robert Boyle, and, and oh, we could go on and name name again and again. We've mentioned Isaac Newton already. Uh, Carolus Linnaeus, the father of, of biological taxonomy. Uh, he was inspired by the fact that, that uh, God created things to reproduce in their own kind and, and got Adam to name the animals. And so he said, let's define uh, the 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 uh, various living things and and he he's the father of of uh, classification of, of of living things and so we could go on uh, Cuvier Dalton Michael Faraday is a fascinating one a simple man who who was uh, wasn't educated he belonged to a uh, what we might call an open brethren sect and Sandemanians they were called they were called and uh, he just lived his life with two books in hand. He talked about God's book of words 
and God, that's the Bible and God's book of works. And he, and he was listening to the voice of God in both. And so we could go on right through. I've mentioned 20 in my book. Yeah, I just have. chose 20. Yeah. I could have chosen 70 as far as that know. goes. Yeah. We've got Founders a- of, the, of science who were, were um, believers in the Lord and wanting to work out their faith. Uh, in in discovering nature i've only got about we've only got about seven minutes left on this call unfortunately but can i ask you how how did has science lost the plot and how has it lost the plot well in the time when modern science was arising there was also a move to think differently about uh the world and uh, there arose people who didn't want to believe in god uh, well, they've always been there, of course, but uh, they picked it up. And uh, like Romans 1 verses 18 onwards speaks about how, how people decided to not be thankful to God, not know God, and led to the whole collapse of civil society. There arose in the 1700s this idea of deism, which is basically, ah, yes, God created the universe, and then he has retired, and God is not involved in um, uh, he retired to the sky. He's not involved at all in in what in uh, in the world now. Um, and and that idea developed. Then, of course, along came uh, Darwin and a whole lot of other of his colleagues who 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 said, "Okay, we can we can even count God out of." Uh, creation because we come up with what seemed a logical way in which things could develop and um, so sorry just i'm sorry i'm interrupting this morning i apologize i don't intend to but i'd I'd love to get to ask you the question i did darwin believe in god i think he did didn't he yes he his ideas he he put forward as tentative proposals that's right proposals Um, that's right it (laughs) it could have happened like this Yes, yeah. Yeah, on a good day, right. wind blowing yeah. in the right direction. Yes, that's right. And so, as a result, those who followed along with him, notably Thomas Huxley, just picked it up and 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 made it a whole philosophy of life mm. uh, and everything. What we call scientism. Okay, the whole idea that uh, uh, the only way to truly know something is through observation and research, and everything is essentially physical and. Uh, uh, all of nature is purposeless, and and matter and time and et- uh, matter is eternal, and uh, the laws of nature are fixed. They are, they always were were and always will be. Scientism, okay, uh, that developed and uh, try to rule God out of everything. Was the loss of was the loss of objective truth in recent years? If 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 we can assume that that's happened to some degree, is is the loss of yeah. a, a belief in objective truth has that compromised science, John? Do you think? Oh, I, I, I think science is threatened by the so-called postmodern uh, worldview that truth is what you make it out to be and you can have your truth and somebody else can have a, a different truth because a foundation to science is that the truth about everything is out there and it's there for us to discover, whereas uh, the postmodern worldview is that, uh, um, yeah. Truth is, is all relative. <laughs> yeah. A fascinating discussion. Gentlemen, we have almost run out of time. I'm sorry. There was so much to talk about. John, thank you so much. And his book from Council Publishing, uh, John Norsworthy, his book from Council Publishing is Why Science Matters. What does the Bible say about things scientific? Rido, final thoughts, questions for John as we close. I just I think it's probably a helpful book for 
you know, kind of the common Christian thinking about these things, but also yeah, sure. probably mm. particularly uh, young people, students who are interested in the sciences and kind of wrestling with some of those ideas would be really helpful, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, abs- it's a fascinating read. And so thank you, gentlemen, both. And thanks to our creative team at Liquid Edge who sponsor this podcast and take care of things behind the scenes. Thank you both. We really hope you've enjoyed this episode of the God Story Podcast. If you want to help us make more great episodes like this one, you can head over to our Patreon page and become a God Story Podcast supporter. You'll receive our undying gratitude, plus a few bonus goodies for your ongoing support. Just visit patreon.com slash godstorypodcast. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash godstorypodcast. As always, you can get in touch with us via our website, godstorypodcast.com.